Good morning. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you, everybody who's here. We are so privileged to get to meet in the name of the Lord. And, you know, yesterday was July 4th, where we celebrated our liberty and our independence from uh, Great Britain. And, you know, really uh, freedom, something that people get confused about is that, that a lot of people nowadays think that being free means you can do whatever you want to do. And really, the, the idea of liberty that was established by our forefathers when they created this nation is that you would have the liberty and the freedom to do what was right, to do what you felt God was requiring of you and to do what was right. It wasn't a freedom and a liberty to do whatever you want. Because you know what? You can't do whatever you want and escape the consequences. There are natural laws in place. But the liberty that we celebrate, the liberty that our forefathers put together when they started this nation, when they created the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, was the freedom to do what's right before God. And so um, I am thankful for the freedom to worship God and to glorify Him and to live my life in a way that makes Jesus look good. Um, so uh, I have a few things to say today. Uh, we're going to go, I know I've been promising for weeks that we were going back to 1 John, and we did touch on that a few times, but today we are actually going back to 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John 5. So I'm going to pray, but if you want to go ahead and start uh, turning to 1 John 5, starting in verse 1. And again, if you have your Bible, and uh, it doesn't matter to me whether it's paper or it's digital, please turn to 1 John chapter one, uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. There's something about reading along in the scriptures, and there's something about you having your own Bible and opening it up to the scripture. And so, God, we come before you today, and God, we thank you that we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to wonder. God, you make it very clear to anyone who is seeking for you how to find you and how to follow you. God, you are so ingenious that you also make it very easy to not find you if somebody doesn't want to find you. But God, for those of us who are seeking for you, it is very easy to hear you. It's not complicated. It's not hard. We ask that, God, you would open our hearts and minds because that's where the difficulty comes in. And God, help us to hear what you have to say in your word, God, so that we can bend our will to follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to read uh, 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whoever it is that overcomes the world, who, uh, who is it, verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes that Jesus is 
the Son of God. Now, this has a number of thoughts in it, some of which we've already covered and some of which I'm going to cover today. One of the things that this talks about, remember, as we've been going through 1 John, there's been a number of things that we've been talking about. Primarily, we've been talking about the love of God and loving God. And our working definition of love is that the lover prioritizes the needs of the loved above their own desire, okay? God's agape love, our working definition of that is that the, the one who is loving prioritizes the needs of the target of their love, the needs of the loved are prioritized over the desires of the lover. Now, we also know that the, that the commandment of God, all the commandments and the prophets hang on two commandments. Those two commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So essentially, the truth is that the commandments of God and God's love are the same. You can't separate them. Some people look at the commandments of God and they look for a, a loophole. They look for a way to get around them. In fact, there's even been some teaching in the church that, well, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Okay, we're not under the law, but that doesn't mean that we're not still expected to walk according to the law. In other words, we're not accountable to the law to get to God. We're under grace so that because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to God, but we're not exempted from the commandments of God. You know why? Because all the commandments of God are, is what does love look like? That's all it is. The Ten Commandments are simply an example of what love looks like. And remember that there in those two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, there are actually three different loved persons in those two commandments. The first and most important is love God. But in the second commandment, there's two targets of that love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And how do you love yourself righteously? How do you love yourself without it being selfishness? It's the same as the way you love others. You prioritize your own needs above your own desires. Okay? But remember, we've talked about when we were going through 1 John that the commandments of God and God's love are inseparable because the commandments of God are merely a description of what God's love looks like. And when we're walking in God's love, we obey God's commandments. Because there's only two options. We either love or we sin. We either love or we put ourselves first. We put our own desires above our needs and the needs of others. And so when we're loving, we are walking in God's commandments. And so it says here, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. That's not saying, well, if you're loving, if you're loving God, then you're working really hard to keep his commandments. No, 
It's the other way around. If we love God, we will be keeping his commandments. When I'm in love with my wife, and so there are things, there are choices that I make that are a fruit of that love that I have for my wife. And it's not that I'm trying to earn her love. What I am is I'm walking out the love that I have for her. And it's the same when we fall in love with God and we begin to walk out what that love looks like, we're going to obey his commandments. Okay? And it says his commandments are not burdensome. Now, there's a whole lot of conflict in our world right now. It is 2020. What a momentous year. And it's not over yet. We still have a presidential election coming up. And it is no coincidence that all these things are happening during an election year. It's no coincidence. There is a ton of conflict in our world. And today we're going to talk about how can you tell someone who's a follower of Jesus? How can you tell someone who is in love with God? Because right now, more than ever, with all the conflict in our world, it is vital that Jesus' followers be able to distinguish what things are of God and what things are not of God. Do you agree? It is vital that we be able to tell what is of God and what is not of God. And there is so much noise in our world in the political landscape. There's so much noise in our world in the media. We have to stop and we have to, we have to get a picture in our heads and focus in our minds what does, what does it look like when someone is pursuing God? What does the pursuit of God look like? Because we've got to be able to tell. The Bible says that in these days, because guys, I'm becoming more and more convinced that time is winding down. I've been hearing that since I was a kid, honestly. Since the early 70s, they've been saying, Jesus could come within the next five years. And for a long time, I finally said, okay, I'm not even going to focus on that because I'm just going to focus on following Jesus. I'm going to focus on the discipleship walk, being a, a follower and a disciple uh, of Jesus. That's what I'm going to focus on. But you know, the things that are happening now are on a global scale like we have never seen before. And when you read Daniel and re you read Revelation... It talks about things that happen on a global scale. And I am becoming, I am beginning to become convinced that time is winding down. And in these times, it is more vital than ever that we, as Jesus followers, are able to discern the things that are of God and the things that are not of God. Because there's so much noise right now. And the Bible says that in the end times, in the last days, the deception will be so strong that it will be, 
even a chance that the elect, that those that God has selected and that have chosen Jesus will be deceived. I am feeling more and more strongly how important it is that we know Jesus and that we are able to discern the voices that are speaking from a godly perspective and the voices that are not. And so I want to talk really quickly today. The first thing I want to talk about is that voice, people who are following God are obeying His commandments. Now, hear how I said that. I didn't say people who are obeying his commandments are following God. Right. Okay? Because the way to follow God is not to focus really, really hard on obeying his commandments. The way to follow God is to love him, and then as a fruit of that love, you will obey his commandments. Okay? Yes? There are a lot of good people who are not following God, and that's where we're going right now. We're going to uh, 2 Timothy 3. Go with me over to 2 Timothy 3. If you want to know if the Bible knows what it's talking about in 2020, here is a passage. And unless you have already decided in your head that the Bible is inconsequential, you cannot avoid how applicable this passage is. So Paul is talking to one of, his, one of the young preachers that he's raised up named Timothy. And he says in 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1, he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. There will come times of difficulty. Can I tell you one thing that you need to keep in mind to discern the voices today that are speaking from the kingdom of heaven and the voices that are speaking from the world? If you hear a voice telling you that we need to fight to be more comfortable, that is not from God. That's right. That is not from God. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. I don't know about you, but my heart longs for the day that Jesus will come back. I long for that day. But I can't long for the comforts of this world and long for the day that Jesus will come back. I can't work for the return of Christ and also work to have self-comfort. It doesn't work that way. Because Jesus, or because Paul says, and God says in his word, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. Tell me, does 2020 fit that description? I don't know. Maybe we gotta wait the second half of the year. Maybe. <laughs> it's been pretty easy so far. Right? <laughs> right. Rachel? Kind of like fighting at your job to get a pay raise, while at the same time fighting to do nothing. Right. So, Right. Fighting at your job to get really good performance stats, but at the same time fighting not to work. It doesn't work both ways. And you can't fight for seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and fight for your own comfort. It doesn't work that way. 
So as 2020 is at times of difficulty. Absolutely. You guys are all nodding your head. Yes. yes. 2020 has been times of difficulty. Okay. So that's a, that's a, an indication that time is winding down. Now listen to this. He says that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Yes. Remember that love is always focused on the other. But Paul says in the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. Mm -hmm. Do we see that right now? Definitely. People are lovers of money. They will be proud, arrogant. Do we have a lot of pride and arrogance right now in our culture and in the world? Yes, Rachel. Yes, so but this is where you love yourself and your own desires above the, your own needs and the needs of other people. Okay. This is not talking about a healthy self-love. This is talking about selfishness. Okay. In other words, I love myself more than I love other people. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And it'll get a little more descriptive down here and we'll see some more. Okay. okay? Yeah, no problem. Um, this lovers of money. Do you realize that both of the main political parties in our government right now in the United States of America are convinced that if we can just spend money correctly, we'll fix the problems. If we can just figure out how to spend money correctly, then we'll fix problems. Or if we get enough money. Or if we get enough money, we'll fix problems. COVID hits. People are losing their jobs all over the place. What is the government's answer? Send out money. Do you realize that the, that the ills of our world are not based on a lack of resources? You can go to the jungles in Central America and find people who don't have money, who are living their lives very differently than us. They don't have stuff. They don't have money. And they're happy. You can have peace without having money and resources. Money and resources are not the key to happiness. If you think money and resources are the key to happiness, just do a cursory investigation online of what happens to people who win the lottery. Or look at the lives and the marriages and relationships of people uh, who are actors in Hollywood, who are famous, or the rich. Money does not solve your problems. All money does. Do you remember in Captain America where Dr. Erskine tells Steve Rogers, he says that his formula, all it does is magnifies what's already inside of you. He says bad becomes evil and good becomes better. Do you know that that's what money does? When you have access to more money, all it does is magnify what's already inside of you. It doesn't change what's inside of you. If I am selfish and greedy and I barely have enough money to survive, but I'm selfish and greedy, if you give me a bunch of money, guess what? I'm just going to be more selfish and more greedy. 
But if I barely have enough to survive and I'm content and I'm at peace within myself and I have my priorities straight, then if you trust me with more resources, guess what? I will be able to use those resources for the good of others because I've already shown. The reason why Captain America, isn't this appropriate for the 4th of July? I keep going back to Captain America. The reason why Captain America is my favorite superhero is because Steve Rogers was a good man before he received the super serum. He didn't need the super serum to decide whether or not he was going to be a man of honor and a man of integrity. All the super serum did was magnify that. And that's what God is talking about in his kingdom. When we are trustworthy and faithful with a little, then he trusts us with more. But money doesn't solve that problem. But this whole idea that in the end times, people will be lovers of money. Part of what that is, is the, is the false deception that money will fix my problems. And that's not true. But that's a widespread deception in our whole world, not just in the United States. It says people will be proud and arrogant. It says they'll be abusive. Are we seeing any abuse in our world today? Yeah. We're seeing lots of abuse. And I'm not just talking about child abuse or spousal abuse or anything like that. Have you, you know, I'm hardly on Facebook anymore. You know why? It's not fun anymore. People are just abusive. And I don't care which political party they're lining themselves up with. I don't care what they're pro. Or even if they are Christian. Even people who profess to be followers of Jesus are abusive. I've been gotten by someone in the past. Yeah. So abusive is common today. It also says that they're disobedient to their parents. It says they're ungrateful. Oh my goodness, a lack of gratitude is running rampant in our society and in the world. I want more. This isn't enough. I want more. They're unholy. They're heartless. Some of the comments I see on social media now are completely heartless. They don't even look at the other person as a human being. They're without self-control. Oh, unappeasable. You know, I looked up that word in the Greek. You know what it means? It means a person who is unwilling to make, a, make peace. I have very dear friends that I love that are on a very opposite spectrum of the political spectrum than I tend to be. Okay? I'm not... I don't have faith in the political process to fix the problems of the world, okay? So I'm not super pro this or super anti that, okay? I'm super pro kingdom. I'm super pro Jesus, all right? But I have friends who are very, very anti and pro, and you know, you can, I, it breaks my heart. I can't even have a conversation with them because they won't even listen to any kind of compromise, that's what this word unappeasable means. But you know what? I have friends on the other side of the spectrum that are also unwilling to compromise. This is a sign of the end times where people are not willing to compromise. They're not willing to make peace. 
slanderous. Oh my gosh. Even the headlines in the news is all about such and such slams such and such. And it doesn't even have to be true. Or it could be half truth. And it's happening on both sides. And they don't even think to consider both sides of the argument. No, they don't. That's what that word unappeasable means. Without self-control. People in the world today are without self-control. They're brutal. They're not loving good. That's one word. Right there in English, it's three words, but in, in uh, Greek, it's one word. Aphilagatos. It actually means an anti-good lover or an anti-lover of good. Anti-good, loving anti-good. So they, they want evil rather than good. They're treacherous. Oh my gosh, look at politics. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. You know, all the um, racial things that we're having in our nation and in the world, all of it is wrapped up in this, swollen with conceit. I am better than you are because of our skin color difference. Or I'm better than you are because of my political affiliations. Or I'm better than you are because of my attitudes about religion. Swollen with conceit. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here we go, verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's what you were talking about, John. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Can we park here for just a minute? I know we're running low on time. But I want to park here. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. I am spirit-filled. I am Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever you want to call it. I believe in the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in miracles. And I don't just believe it because the Word says it. I believe it because I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen miraculous healing. I've heard, I've had people come to me and minister the, the gift of the Holy Spirit of prophecy over me, people who don't even know me and have read my mail and told me what God is speaking to me. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, my family has been part of that movement, part of that tribe of the church since I was 12. And I have heard over and over and over that this verse is talking about where it says having the appearance of godliness but denying its power is talking about people who deny the power of the Holy Spirit today. I don't agree with that anymore. Do you know what this is talking about? Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Turn with me to Romans 1 verse 16 and then we're going to come back here. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Oops. I did Romans 16, 1. That's not right. Right? I think if I had my paper Bible, I'd be there already. Paul says, remember, in, in, uh, when he was writing to Timothy, he said that in the last days, people would have an appearance of godliness, but deny the power. 
Read with me Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When Paul is talking about they will have a semblance of godliness but deny the power thereof, he's not talking about the power of the Holy Spirit gifts at work in the church. He's talking about people who appear to be godly but deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the power of God. And the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that, that power is just a small piece of the overall power of the gospel. And right now, there are whole moves among those who profess to be Jesus followers where they are abandoning the gospel of Jesus Christ for a new gospel of social justice or a new gospel of being nice to people, or a new gospel of fixing the kingdoms of the earth. Listen to me. Jesus did not die to fix the kingdoms of the world. Tony was giving me a hard time about getting loud. Well, guess what? Maybe he was right. <laughs> Jesus did not die to fix the kingdoms of this world. Jesus did not die so that we can achieve social justice on earth. Jesus did not die to tear down oppressive class structures. Jesus died to capture the hearts of individual men and women of every tribe, nation, tongue, color. But he does it individual by individual. Jesus did not die and rise from the dead so that he could reorganize the power structures in the world. That's not why he died. This world is passing away. He said kings and kingdoms will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. He died to establish his own kingdom, which is going to replace these. And one of the huge things that's happening right now is that there are people with an appearance of godliness. They even call themselves Christians, but they deny the power of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth, here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every human being, you and I, are born under the curse of sin and separated from God. And God loves every individual human being so much that Jesus, who is God, came down and became a human being, fulfilled the law of God in perfect righteousness, and then was killed for us on a cross, became our sacrifice, and the punishment for our sin was put on Jesus. And he died and he was buried. And three days later, God rose him from the dead because of his righteousness. And now he invites individual human beings to follow him in individual discipleship. And now by the power of his Holy Spirit, 
we can be transformed into his image. Go with me back to 1 John 5. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The gospel. The gospel. As we walk through these uncertain times, it is so important that we discern what voices are coming from God's kingdom and what voices are coming from the kingdoms of this world. And any voice that does not embrace, preach, magnify, and hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that each individual human being is invited to repent from their selfishness and enter into relationship with Jesus. Any voice that does not prioritize that as the number one thing, I don't care how godly they look. They are a sign of the end times because they're denying the power of God. Katie? And things like social justice and all of that are fruits of the individuals. Yes. Not that social justice is anti-biblical. No. But it is not the focal point of why Jesus... It is not the focal point of the kingdom of God because the, the current understanding of social justice is that we have to tear down um, current power structures and rebuild them. And that's not what Jesus came to do. You know what? I am supposed to be a sphere of social justice everywhere I go. Why? Because Jesus has changed me on the inside and I love people. And that is the way you change society, by changing hearts, not by rearranging power structures. You change society by changing people's hearts, and that is what the gospel of Jesus is, that Jesus changes hearts. And out of the heart of a person who is pursuing Jesus, you will see fruit of that. You will see the fruit of the gospel. If you want to discern whether someone is coming from the kingdom of God or whether they're motivated by the kingdom of the world, look in Galatians for the fruit of the Spirit. Look in 1 Corinthians 13 for the description of love. I don't care how big a preacher's church is. If he's standing in the pulpit and being angry and rude and slanderous and brutal, that voice is not from the kingdom of heaven. And don't get me wrong, I'm not slamming large churches because there are large churches whose pastors are standing up and proclaiming the gospel and, and they and their church are producing the fruit of the gospel of love, okay? But I don't care how popular someone is. I don't care how... Uh, how much influence they have. I don't care how godly they seem if they are not promoting the gospel and producing the fruit of love that comes from that interaction with Christ, that is not a godly voice. 
So as we go through these difficult times, which the Bible says we're going to go through difficult times, we have to be very discerning that we're looking for the fruit of people whose lives have been and are being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God for salvation. Katie? You're probably getting there, but self-checking for those things, too. That's my next step. That's kind of where I'm headed. I feel like you're probably going there. My next step is, not only do we have to be discerning of the actions and the, and the words of others, oh my gosh, people, we have got to be children of God. We have got to be discerning of our own actions, of our own words, of our own hearts. Am I yielding to the good news of Jesus Christ? Am I loving God and loving people? Is my first priority the kingdom of God? Is Jesus more to me than just a good teacher? I know people who, who say, you know what? I like to consider myself a Christian because I really like a lot of the things that Jesus said. No, no. Jesus is the God of the universe. And it's more than just liking what he said. It's submitting to everything he said, including that we need to repent of our sin and including that he is the only way to get to God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. The point of Jesus coming to earth was not to restructure power systems. The point of Jesus coming to earth was to open the door for us to know God. And there was no other purpose. Oh, well, he came down and talked about loving the poor. Yeah, but you know how you learn to love the poor? By learning to be loved by God. That was his priority. So I want to encourage all of us, let's be very discerning of our own actions, our own heart, our own words. If you find yourself speaking rudely and ugly and without love, or even hoping that, oh my gosh, oh, this drives me nuts. If you really hope in your heart that bad things happen to the people in the world that disagree with you, oh, repent. Mm -hmm. Repent. Mm -hmm. That is not God's love. If you are angry with the people in the world that are doing that are that believe differently than you are and the words coming out of your mouth about them are are unkind and unloving that doesn't mean you have to agree with what they say but if you're being unkind and rude and brutal repent repent you're missing the kingdom of God and right now, what this world needs is not your political party to win the White House in 2020. That's not what the world needs. I don't care which political side you're on. What the world needs right now is the love of Jesus through his people. What the world needs right now is the heart-changing, hopeful, uplifting gospel, good news of Jesus. And you and I are supposed to be living that out. So God, 
I thank you for the patience of everybody listening to me. God, I pray that your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword that cuts between the difference between what's right and what's wrong, that cuts between all the confusion. I pray that your word, God, would cut into our hearts and our minds and help us to differentiate between the things that are of your kingdom and the things that are of the kingdoms of this world. That would help us differentiate the things that just look like godliness but have no power and the things which are the power of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who takes away the sin of the world and restores us to intimate relationship with God. That's what Jesus came to do. God, let us reject any other gospel, quote unquote, any other flowery words, even if it seems like a good thing, if it's not promoting what Jesus did, it's not of your kingdom. God, let us be fruit bearers of your kingdom, learning to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And let us be salt and light in this world that is just spiraling out of control. Call all of those that you have chosen to yourself. Let people hear the cry of hope out of this storm. And let us build our lives on the rock of Jesus and the things he said. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us online. I hope you found this encouraging, maybe a little challenging. Feel free to share this if you'd like. Uh, feel free to uh, put comments down below as long as they're sweet. If you have unsweet comments, you can send me a message. I don't mind reading unsweet comments. That's fine. Um, and if you'd like to discuss any things of the things that we talked about today, I'm open to that. Um, but I would like to get to know you a little better first because I think it's unfair to talk about what we believe until we know each other's stories. So you can contact me through our Facebook page uh, and leave me a private message and I'd be glad to discuss these things with you. Listen, we love you. We believe in you and we believe in Jesus in you and we'll see you next week.